Yeah, thank you so much, Cos, for joining us to talk about your career in cybersecurity. Yeah. Massively appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Hannah. It's really great to be here. And I wanted to thank Anna Libel as well for introducing us as well. I think we've got a role model, a female ally <laughs> in Anna, so Queen Anna. Um, well, obviously you work in cybersecurity. So I was um, fascinated in your journey into cybersecurity because it wasn't necessarily what we'd think is the traditional route, which is training in cybersecurity. Um, so I wanted to understand, first of all, um, your role and what it entails. Yeah, sure. So I'm a cybersecurity, so cyber resilience and education analyst, and I'm part of the information security team at Unisuper. And I completed my certificate four in cybersecurity in June last year, which I'll talk about. Um, but prior to this, I've worked as an executive assistant supporting the chief information security officer and the information security team at Unisuper. So in prior years, let's just say over 20 years, <laughs> I've worked as an EA, including top ASX organisations such as Transurban. And in my current role, I assist developing creative ways to ensure cybersecurity is front of mind through communication and training to help educate, influence and engage Unisuper employees just about the cybersecurity risks and their responsibilities that relate to cybersecurity standards, policies and controls. So I do develop and run phishing simulation campaigns each month. And then I provide training to those employees that have clicked during that month. And then I perform analysis and reporting of those statistics and success rates. That's hard to say, but I said it. <laughs> and then I provide results in our monthly exec report that our CISO provides to the exec leadership team. And so following that, I also monitor and identify top human risks and behaviours that require education to mitigate them and protect Unisuper. And so I speak with repeat clickers and help them become more cyber resilient. And um, there's another part of my role as well. I assist the security operations team in the analysis of phishing emails reported. And I look at the email headers as well and mark them as clean or spam or a threat. So if they're a threat, um, I can use a tool to remove those threats from everyone's inbox um, across the whole organisation. So it's a good feeling knowing that I'm, that threat's no longer there in their mailboxes and they may not have even known they've received it. Um, another thing, sorry if I continue, is that <laughs> I've, uh, there's a group named Cyber Evangelists and there are security champions across the business. So I run monthly sessions and present to them on new cyber awareness content each month and I conduct research on relevant topics pertaining to Unisuper and create that content. So I also use graphic design skills as best I can in PowerPoint <laughs> and I make the content interesting. So I learn a lot during that process. And there's about 25 Unisuper employees in the group and my manager set this up a few years ago and she came up with a strategy and plan to use nudge tactics. So it helps get engagement across the organisation and these people work in different business units and other even other states and it's gained a lot of momentum as well. Um, so there's a lot in that group that we do there. And she also, my manager reminds me that we're doing, what we're doing is a marathon, it's not a sprint and it's, cultural and behavioural change that takes months and years, not days and weeks. So that's quoted by her. 
Um, I also work on government campaigns um, and last year was Scams Awareness Week and we had little booklets from the ACCC, little book of scams and we handed this out and had branded mini cupcakes, created an emoji quiz, so we kind of make things fun as well. And part of my, there's a few more things that I sometimes present to other parts of the business um, about phishing and CEO fraud and social engineering Spear phishing, I help create internal comms and messaging, uh, work with comms on activity plans that we're doing as well. Um, I also attended my first CISO conference um, last year, and I'm also been asked to speak about um, identity theft as well this year. So I've been fortunate to do that. Um, yeah, so I feel very privileged in what I'm doing. <laughs> It actually sounds incredibly varied, much more varied than many people might think a cybersecurity role entails. And also, even though you're, are you a one person band in one sense, but you work with so many stakeholders across the business? Yeah, so I have my manager, um, Christy, and she works. So she's kind of started this um, and then I came into the role uh, with her. So it's her and I doing that cyber resilience um, and education. So it's like, I'm lucky to have her um, support me because it's great to have that support. Um, yeah, she's been amazing in, in the growth that I've had to do um, when I first started a year ago. Gosh, a, a lot happened in a year. I think the influence across an organisation is something that as well as everything that you spoke about there, we can take away around... Yeah people skills are probably really important because if you've got 25 cybersecurity evangelists, you've actually got a, a secondary team and you're engaging them as well as all of these people that if they've clicked on phishing, you want a good approach to make them not feel bad about it. It's a, it's a good thing that we know that's a risk. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a big thing as well. So um, in, in that group, um, people, have, they join by invitation. So we want people that are passionate about cybersecurity but also able to influence their peers so they're able to deliver the cyber safety messages. And so we provide them with generic information that they could also share with family and friends outside of the organisation. And there's a lot of great um, government campaigns throughout the year we promote and support and good content to share like one pages of hints and tips. So it's always a tricky balance as you need to ensure the content and the information is easy to understand at the same time relevant in order to cater for a range of skill sets. As some people are from our security team or they could be from finance, HR, risk. So we have a very broad range of skill sets um, and we want to ensure that we share this information in a considered way. And another thing that I do is when I meet with repeat clickers, I make sure that they don't feel shamed because um, my boss really, we would talk about that. And through through one of my experiences, I understand that. So I'll talk about that soon. Um, but it's better to have them come forward to us and report suspicious emails or say that they may have clicked on a suspicious link than just feel shamed. So we don't, we're building their resilience. We don't want them to feel um, that, that they're, they're silly or they've done something wrong because this can happen to anyone. Yeah, working outside of work. So I, I think that's a really good emphasis to have on uh, 
we're all going to experience it at some point. So no need to feel any shame. Let's just focus on learning solutions because you might people might not have clicked on it this time, but the next time the the cyber criminal becomes more sophisticated, it could be a lot easier for more people to click on it. Yeah, exactly. They're very clever these days at what they do. Well, this is why I'm so glad that we're talking to you and getting some insight <laughs> about how we can get so many more cyber evangelists. And um, you mentioned you've you were motivated yourself personally to get involved in cybersecurity. Can you explain? Can you expand on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Hannah. So there's a lot of reasons why I was motivated to move into cybersecurity, and I'll call it let's just say a perfect storm. It was a combination of things. So after working 20, over 20 years as an EA, I've been with a company and a boss I really loved. I felt very loyal throughout that time and I was working with him. I was offered a couple of opportunities in cybersecurity a few years ago that I turned down uh, because I didn't want to leave my boss and take a risk and I was really comfortable. I loved the company um, and I just felt bad to leave him and I'm sure a lot of EAs understand how that feels. Um, but I realised that I couldn't do that anymore and until I felt uncomfortable and to take a leap, I wouldn't grow. Um, I was feeling bored and I knew he was kind of taking a career change before everyone knew he was leaving. So I was starting to think oh, I've got to do something. Um, I wanted to do something more, have more of a purpose to contribute. And it's not that being an EA is not something that you doesn't contribute it really does more than people realize but working in some of those roles I'm sure a lot of other EAs may feel listening to this is sometimes you feel you're not really heard or seen or sometimes you're not valued as much as you should or being given a chance so I was kind of tired of just getting sort of not that I was just doing coffees but running coffee errands and being valued feeling oh this is amazing coffee thanks for my coffee but you know I wanted to feel like I was um, a bit more of a voice and be heard um so I was sort of looking at something else to do long-term and I knew um, there was a few things happening that happened to me. And so sort of seeing execs leave, I've, I've worked at different organisations. I realised I needed to follow my heart and passion, change my career path and just take that risk um, and look at those steps moving forward. So part of that perfect storm was a decade ago I became a victim of identity theft and that really shook me for so many reasons it changed my life completely and part of my motivation was to really work in that industry that helps prevent cyber attacks and criminals from doing this to other people and organizations so I knew that a lot of people would sadly suffer like I did through this crime so 29 other people suffered the same um, crime 10 years ago so I wanted to move into this field and do something in the industry that could help people um, and that was getting to this world of cyber security. So I also wanted to challenge myself in ways I've never done and cyber security has definitely done that. It's motivated me to learn new things. I'm learning all the time and the learning will never end. It's not like you can say I've done so many courses and then that's it and now I know everything. Not everyone will know everything. Uh, another reason is that I've always been a very inquisitive person and my friends know this and I like to say like try and catch the bad guys <laughs> so I've always been vigilant and in one of my old neighborhoods I was made aware um, of during my identity theft was I was keeping an eye out and stopping a lot of criminal activity that was taking place and assisting police uh, with crime in the area so I built a great rapport with them and 
I had this element of ex excitement, but it was also dangerous and I kind of liked that. So there were stolen cars that were towed, drug deals being discovered. And I liked the fact that I was removing this activity from the area, keeping my neighbours and I safe. Um, but I just wanted to put an end to that. So I did, and this innate nature of stopping criminals helped drive my interest in cybersecurity. So, yeah, that was um, all those sort of perfect storm that came together and, and, I, and I put that all together and moved forward with that. <laughs> I mean, it's very in line with Fire and Forte, to be honest. It's very much about this purpose where a lot of the time something happens to us that helps us uncover our purpose, doesn't it? And yeah. identity theft sounds like a terrible thing, which then unearthed this feeling for justice and no one else will have to go through what I've had to go through. And then fire is all about passion and skills. So it's brilliant that you've um, got this energy and passion and determination to go after basically becoming the next Batwoman, I think. Now, from an identity theft point of view, you don't have to share too much, but that it must have been a terrible thing to go through. What was the, how did you find out that that had happened? Yeah, so I'm definitely doing another um, podcast on that, but I, and I'm happy to talk about it now because I was, it was very hard. Um, it still is hard, but I found out through police. So I had a policeman ring me 10 years ago. I was in this job that I loved my very first day and it was a private number ringing and I was already a private person and I didn't want to pick it up. All day left it and it was nine o'clock and I was like, oh, all right, I'll pick it up. <laughs> and it was the police. And the way they said this was so clinical. They said, we have reason to believe that someone's using your um, details to commit um, crime or fraud. And I was like, what? <laughs> I couldn't understand what I, after that I just didn't and I didn't trust even the policeman at the time I was researching him on really? I was like what's your name where you're from you know um can I call you back because I just thought you know I was already very private and security conscious so yeah I shredded everything like I've always shred things so it's just interesting the way yeah how I found that's how I found out yeah and how yeah. paranoids that can make you about how easy these things can happen, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So is that maybe a good place for people to start to really think about identity? Because, I mean, just before this call, I was saying to you, oh, I've been trying to, you know, read up a little bit about you on the Internet. I couldn't find much information. And you said to me, that's a good thing. That's what I want. Yes. Is that yes. something that would be, is that some advice that you'd give to other people? Definitely, definitely. So it's kind of thinking about, well, if you get sort of invitations from people on LinkedIn, I always joke um, with VJ about, you know, he'll say, oh, look at this invitation I've got. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a man that sent you an invite there, but it's a lady, you know, like we kind of laugh about it um, because we can see that they're, they're fraudulent. So they're trying to gather information. So if you see an invite from someone you don't even know, you know, or they're following it's or they're from a, a you know a country that you may think well I don't I don't know this person or it's probably better not to accept it's like you know Facebook or Instagram like I'm not on that now I used to be on those platforms mm -hmm. but for me I don't want to be on it um there's so many things that give away your identity or things even from for your family and friends like in a bigger circle I kind of have to try and talk to my dad about it as well um, but yeah, it's things like that where you kind of lock down what people can view on your um, social media, 
I sometimes Google myself as well just to see what's on there. So choose a few names that you go under and see what's there. Um, it's quite interesting to see what you can do, <laughs> what, what you can find. Yeah, so definitely lock things down. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, someone said to me recently, or oh, I think I read that the first thing employers are doing now is often Googling names. And if there's anything on there from a holiday from 2007 that isn't yeah. necessarily putting you in a professional light, they're going to see that. So is that the kind exactly. of the perception that you want to give? So it covers off lots of, it, it can impact lots of areas of your life, can't it? Oh, big time. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing what you can find sort of sometimes people say, how did you find that? Like they'll ask me about something. Can you find this? And I'll do it through, you know, looking at a photo and then you kind of drill down into finding further information. So, um, yeah, it's amazing what you can find um, if it's out there. Once things are out there on the internet, I remember doing even graphic design and a teacher, um, it was in Reaper Graphics and she identified fraudulent um, licences and passports for police. And she said to us years ago, this is even before I knew I had identity theft, she said, once your information's on the internet, it's out there, it's done. Like it, you can't, it's it's out there. So just be careful what you put um yeah, up in public. Really important message because it's so easy to press post. And, yeah. and it's and it's there forever, isn't it? And um, I just wanted to go back to your career as well, because I was keen to understand the the transferable skills that you took from uh, from a great experience and uh and, and reputation in being an ea what transferable skills then you could move over into what could on the surface look a very different roles educating a huge organization on cybersecurity? yeah sure so um it's funny i kind of talked to vj and sometimes he says oh you know you did ea work for so long what took you know sometimes he jokes things like what took you so long to <laughs> but it's it's never ever gone to waste. Like being an EA has been the best thing that I did because, um, you know, you're dealing with different stakeholders, different people under different types of pressure, different um, deadlines that you're getting, and you're learning how to respond quickly to things, um, organizing things, looking ahead, planning ahead. Um, also, just having those interpersonal skills as well, um, how to write as well, that's important on communication. Um, getting messages across, researching as well. So you're kind of trying to find things. So it's it's so handy to have come across as an EA um, and have those skills to bring to this role because a lot of, I mean, sometimes there's some people that are very technical but they don't know how to communicate the messages. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes I'll say to them, oh, I don't know what you're talking about or, you know, it's for, you know, acronyms or technology I've never heard of and I'm just like what do you mean like I'm happy to just ask those questions because you if you don't ask you will never know um it's assumed knowledge so it's always good to ask those things yeah and, I, and across a whole organization there's going to be a vast a vast difference in what people understand in acronyms and in how interested they are in technology because when you talked earlier about doing quizzes and emoji quizzes I thought what a great idea because I'm wondering if some of your audience, well, is it ever difficult to engage an audience in cybersecurity? Yeah, it is sometimes. So I post on Yammer. So I use that communication platform to post like what current threats might be or scams. 
but also how to communicate, like how to report a scam. Like you've got to follow through with what they can do to be in control and, and take, you know, control of the scams. It's hard to engage sometimes because there are people that kind of just think, oh, it's like just tick and flick um, to get things done. Or it's like, oh, here we go. Security can be a bit daunting and they think, oh, why do we have to do this? So you kind of want to make sure people understand why they're doing it and how it can help them at home as well. Mm. I always say data is currency for criminals as well. So, you know, it's not just like them stealing a credit card and using a credit card. It's like getting an organisation's data is huge. Like obviously with ransomware, locking it down, people having to pay or using like the Medibank experience as well. Um, it's like shaming people with all the health, um, you know, they've hacked that system. They know all people's health data. Um, it's how they leverage and get um, payment um, from organisations as well. So it's it's a very big um, thing and they can get a lot of information on people. So yeah, it's it's quite scary what they can do. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of this information because it's also very motivating and makes you think, well, it is actually possible to is to protect ourselves. Um, in your career journey, would you be able to share what kind of training you did to move from an EA into your current role? Yeah, absolutely. So um if I I basically two years ago enrolled in a two-year course part-time while working full-time to study and so that was the best thing I ever did and initially it was difficult uh, and I felt overwhelmed but I really wanted to finish the course and I overcame those fears and doubts. I kind of thought how am I going to get through this? So working full-time, studying part-time as people know can be extremely challenging especially when you have other things in life taking place like moving house, juggling those big things and also the fact that there was new terminology that I'd never heard of or technical skills or systems I'd never used. So I pushed forward and overcame it. And there were a lot of late nights. It's not glamorous <laughs> cybersecurity and deadlines and no sleep. So I did ask a lot of questions. Um, you know, cybersecurity is so broad and there's so much to learn. And as I've mentioned, you know, no one's going to know everything. It's a beast. Um, there's a lot of specialised roles as well um, and new software systems, it's, it's constantly changing. So it, it makes it exciting, um, but you never know what's going to be next. So I've just asked a lot of questions. I went into this course. Um, I also have personal contacts as well um, that I sort of relied on and, and look to who also work in the industry. So that really helped me. Yeah. <laughs> so a two-year course, well, congratulations for completing mm -hmm. two years part-time course and a full-time career. Looking back on that, or if you were to give the advice to anyone else, do you think that it's worthwhile people asking for any time off to study? At any point did you find that, because it is quite a big commitment, isn't it? It's huge. Yeah, it was really huge. I never actually thought of that during that time. I never uh, did that because we'd We'd actually, yeah, you do a full day of work and then twice a week you're doing 6 to 9 p.m. So you're barely even trying to eat. You barely eat proper dinners and things like that. Um, but, yeah, it would be good for people if they can take time off because you need also that rest as well and to get away from the computer. Like I sometimes find like I'll go running as well just to clear my mind. It's, it's good to have that break with anything that you do. Um, just to, to then you can come back to it with a fresh mind and be ready for it. 
Yeah, so definitely recommend taking time as well. And and now what does that look like for you? Like you said, it changes quite a lot with the threats that come in. How do you keep on top of the education or the risks that are happening now? Yeah, so we've kind of got a really great um, team at work as well. So we share things um you know, on, on a group message chat as well. Or I'll, I personally will look at security news every day and see what's happening in the environment, whether that's locally or internationally. It's good to see because there's kind of trends that happen. Um, and also just um, looking at the work that I'm doing as well at Unisuper, which helps as well. But it is constantly changing. So it's not like just a nine to five kind of uh, role with cyber security. You you are, if you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like work. You're kind of really engaged in it and the hours obviously fly. <laughs> um, but you do have to be more conscious to take that break. So sometimes during lunch, I'll sometimes work through, but I need to make sure that I don't do that because it's not not great for you to do that. So, yeah, it's just keeping keeping abreast of everything and you're you're looking at even news um you know documentaries i listen to darknet diaries the podcast which is amazing it's true uh cyber crime um so it's quite interesting um hearing about the different threat actors and groups and you kind of learn a lot putting that all together yeah i think for the, the trend for true crime this is basically true crime live isn't it yeah it is yeah absolutely you find out what's happening and then also you've got it in your power to do something about it yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. um amazing I was going to ask you about your day in the life of an average day in the life of if you don't mind answering that that would be great but I'm going to swing in a another question as well which yeah, what you would see a career tra trajectory looking like in cybersecurity, how you see your career looking now is this where you're going to stay and where can that head do you think yeah so at the moment I'm not too sure um I want to like as much as I'm enjoying my role at the moment as well um I've kind of been able to assist security operations in the analysis of emails and and Basically, those threats, I can rip those, as I've mentioned, from inboxes. So I want to kind of look at being maybe a SOC analyst to then look at analysis of malware and cyber defence as well. Um, but then who knows where that will lead me to? Like I kind of want to look at across all of domains, the domains of cyber security as well, because everything's important. Um, and who knows where that may lead? Um, yeah, but I kind of want to look at the security operations team at the moment because it ties in with my cyber resilience and education and the emails that come through of reporting them and then it's looking at the analysis of those emails and threats that come through so yeah it's kind of moving in a different direction but yeah so it'll be interesting to see <laughs> it'll be really interesting and also I, I suppose you spot trends as well do you you see certain emails or different tactics that cyber criminals yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, so, you know, the standard invoice ones, like, or, you know, I've changed my bank details, can you please pay this? Or CEO fraud, so they're acting as our CEO and it makes it look like it's come from our CEO and he's like, it's pretending, saying, can you please go get me some gift cards? Um, things like that and or just the same spiel and they'll send it out to 20 people in the organisation but I've seen the first one someone's reported it which is great and then I've ripped it from the inbox 
all the other inboxes. So it's a good feeling like to see, you know, and then I'll sometimes Google things as well and see is that, um, you know, what, what, what kind of scam is it? And then I'll read about it and what are they doing? Um, yeah, so you kind of look, look into it as well, like the mum and dad scams that people know of. Wow. So you really do need to act really quickly. You've got to prioritise and probably be very decisive in your action. Yeah, you do. You do. You can't sort of just leave it and then just wait a few days. Um, I'm always like, even though sometimes, you know, I shouldn't be working 24, you know, like I'm kind of like, oh, just check this inbox just in case, you know, something's coming. So it's quite good. It, it's just because I'm passionate about it. So that helps. <laughs> yeah, cyber criminals never sleep, but you need they to. They don't. So <laughs> that needs to be a rule. Um, now, I would actually label you, well, you are a female in tech. And we know that there's a, a very small percentage of them, and that's something that is growing, but slowly. Is there any advice or guidance that you would say to other women that are not yet officially in tech, but are thinking about making the plunge? Yeah, so recently I was talking to someone who wants to do a career change into cybersecurity, and I said to her, it's always good to have a mentor and support from somebody who is in the industry, um, and she works in the industry but not as a tech person yet but that's actually quite helpful to have um, even if you've got friends or family or just even even people in business there's always someone you can find um, to help mentor you because I think that's such a big big support that I've had um, I can't imagine not having the mentors that I've had um, it's just so helpful and once you sort of say yes to things or you try new things, new doors open um, and opportunities come. Um, you might feel a bit out of your comfort zone, um, but it, it brings new opportunities in. Um, so I'd definitely say looking at those things, maybe, um, you know, I know that there was a female in my um, course as well and I kind of looked, to, looked up to her too because she was doing education awareness at the time as well. And I thought, wow, like she can do this. This is amazing. Like she's so smart and it kind of inspired me seeing other females doing it as well. Um, yeah, so it's just reaching out to people and they're all, everyone's so helpful, uh, even in the team. Um, even if you're in, out of tech and you know some tech people in your organisation, you can always reach out to them. They're always happy to help you. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they're female or male. I reflected on this yeah. recently with that. I was thinking some of the most patient, helpful people that I've worked with have been guys as I've had my head in some data and not have understood <laughs> it. So I think it's knowing the role and also leaning on those people. But I, I like your point about mentors and essentially role models. Yeah. Knowing who they are, identifying them and trying to keep in touch with them to keep yourself at that motivated level. Yes, absolutely. So um, I did reach out to VJ while I was on a run listening to his podcast with Claire Pales and I said to him years ago, this is when I was an EA and I was sort of doing contract work because uh, we both worked at Transurban together, VJ and I, and I always remembered how hard he worked and his work ethic, but also as a manager, I think at the time he was, just how much time he would give to people and he still does that in such a senior role. So I I was just remembered him and I knew how amazing he was working and it makes you work, you know, you work at your best level. You know, I've worked with different people over the years, but 
working with someone that's so kind and generous with their time and so intelligent, hardworking. I just, I just wanted to work with him. So I reached out to him and just said, if you ever have a job that comes up, can you please tell me? <laughs> so a contract role came up and I, I was like, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> Excellent. And is how great is it to get an email coming to your inbox? Imagine being the receiver of that email. I love working with you. I'll work really hard because you inspire me. That's what an employer would want to get, wouldn't it? So maybe I think a good tip that we can take away from that is just send the email. Just ask the yeah, question. Don't hesitate, even if it's a text or reach out. Even if, you know, someone you admire, you don't really know that well, reach out it doesn't hurt because they will remember you and even if they don't have something right away they will come back to you they'll just come back so don't don't doubt yourself don't hesitate and think oh I might be annoying them like you're not <laughs> yeah exactly stronger together isn't it I think yeah thank you so much I wish you all the best in your career you're going to go a long way oh. And um, I hope that we've got lots of causes uh, we can clone you <laughs> in lots of businesses around Australia. <laughs> thank you so much, Hannah. I really appreciate your time today. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Speak soon. Take care. Thank you. You too.